Hello, hello, and welcome back to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and I can't believe we're already halfway through the year. I thought I'd take this opportunity to take a look back at the movie year we've had by counting down my top five films of 2022 so far. Joining me and sharing his own list is film critic Russell Miller. Don't go anywhere. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. No time to help you. Welcome to Art House Garage. You know, I love a good list episode on a podcast. I look forward every year to the best of the year lists that usually come out around December, reading and listening to my favorite film critics and seeing what we have in common or what movies I still need to make time for. We're here in July of 2022 with half a year behind us. What better excuse do I need to start looking at my favorite films I've watched this year? To help me out, I've got film critic Russell Miller here to share his list as well. Russell is a film critic out of North Carolina, writing his own reviews at Miller's Movies. I'll link to that and to his Twitter profile in the show notes. After you listen to our list, I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, What's your top film so far this year? Do you agree or disagree with our picks? Email me and let me know, andrew at arthousegarage.com. Also, in the show notes, I'll make sure to link to all the films we discuss on justwatch.com, which tells you where you can stream them or buy tickets for each of these titles. And with that, let's get into my conversation with Russell Miller about the top five films of 2022 so far. Welcome to the show, Russell Miller. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Appreciate you having yeah. me on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that. So, yeah, initially you reached out to me by email and, um, you know, we thought, oh, it's a fellow film critic. We got to get on the show together. And it took some time, but we finally, we finally <laughs> made it. Uh, so I'm, I'm so glad that we did. Um, well, we're going to talk about today the top five films so far of 2022. And um, before we get into that, uh, I wanted to ask, do you think generally it's been a good year for film uh, in your mind or or not? What do you think? Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's been an interesting year. I mean, overall, like the quality of the films coming out been really uh, pretty solid, I felt, for uh, yeah. you know, a spring. You know, the, re- the releases we got all through the spring and now we're into the summer blockbuster season. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year seemed to be really... Uh, I guess backloaded, maybe because of the pandemic still kind of going mm-hmm. on or whatnot. I don't know, but uh, most of my the, the movies that I really loved coming out of last year were towards the fall and the winter months. Um, whereas this year, like uh, just as an example, like I I rate my movies one to ten for my blog, and um, like at this point last year I had one movie that I had given a nine. Um, wow. And nothing higher than that. And this year, I've already given out three nines. So maybe I'm just being more nice. generous. I don't know what. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah there's no. been some movies I really, uh, really enjoyed so far this year. So I completely agree. I think, yeah, I think it's funny with the pandemic. So many things have been held. Like, for instance, Top Gun Maverick was held for so mm-hmm. long and finally is released. And I think there's a lot of movies in that boat that they're like, oh, we really would like to have the theatrical for this. And uh, yeah, I think that's added up to yeah end of 2021 and into this year has been, I think, pretty strong with smaller movies, which yeah. we'll talk more about in a minute. But then also, yeah, with the blockbusters like, like Top Gun, like the Batman, I have really enjoyed mm-hmm. some of those kind of bigger movies. Um, I oh, think yeah. they're pretty solid. So, well, yeah, well, let's, I guess let's get into it. Um, 
who should go first? Do you want to go first? What's your, we're going to count down five through one and uh, kind of go back and forth. So yeah, why don't you go first? You're the guest here. What is your number five film of 2022 so far? So my number five movie of 2022 so far, and this, this was the toughest one. Like I, I really went back and forth trying to figure out which one was gonna, was gonna make the cut, but I finally landed on uh, a movie that I just got to see uh, the other week was Top Gun Maverick. Finally, nice. they, I, I, it was in IMAX and I didn't get to see it that first initial run, but then it, it came back and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta see it now. The hype is, <laughs> yeah. is spiraled out of control. Like mm-hmm. I, I need to, you know, check this out and see what this IMAX deal is. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was just really impressive and, and and it's not it wasn't like a perfect movie by any means. I mean, I had some critiques with it, but really, it was just from the moment the and you've seen Top Gun Maverick mm-hmm. yeah. from 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 the moment the opening music kicks in, <laughs> yeah, and it's got the old font of the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Like I just I just had a smile on my face. I'm just sitting yeah. there like giddy, <laughs> and I'm not even like the hugest fan of the old top gun mm-hmm. movie i enjoyed it it's one of those 80s movies you can always put on and watch and and have a good time with but uh it's not in my top 20 movies of all time or anything like mm-hmm. that but uh yeah it, it's just a really fun movie a lot of action and and uh, i mean the editing uh, it's those aerial shots are just i mean you you don't see that in movies <laughs> it's incredible yeah. mm-hmm. stuff it's mm-hmm. seeing imax um and i just i just had a blast at uh Tom Cruise, I mean, guys still got it. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. still getting it done. I mean, uh, yeah, so that, that was my uh, uh, yeah. one of my uh, favorite movies of uh, the last few weeks. I really had a good time with Top Gun. I completely agree. I really like Top Gun Maverick as well. It's not on my list, but I, I considered it pretty seriously. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually never saw the original Top Gun until about a month before I watched the new one. And um, I was like, well, I got to finally watch. It's one of those movies I've always been like, oh, I got to watch this eventually. Like, well, now is definitely the time. But yeah, like you're saying, that opening, it could almost be from the original. Like, I think the text mm-hmm. is even the same and the music's just just right. And, um, and yeah, I think... I was really enjoying it and like with it for, for all of it within that ending, the final, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I thought the final section of that action scene mm. really pushed it over the edge to make it fantastic. And yeah, like we have so much just CGI, everything these days, mm-hmm, especially yeah. with big movies. And yeah, like you're saying, those aerial shots make it feel really special. And yeah, so, so much hype around it, you know, playing at Cannes and giving Tom Cruise the honorary Palm d'Or and all this, yeah. like this movie must be amazing. <laughs> and then it, it was, it was really good. And just what the box office needs too, I think, is to finally oh, get some yeah. kickstarted the big movies. box office yeah. in a big way. What it's <laughs> cracked a, a billion now, a billion. Yeah, I think so. One yeah. billion. I don't know, but yeah, good, good for Tom. Good for Tom. Yeah, his biggest movie ever. I think is what I read, which is wild <laughs> because he's had so many big ones. But yeah. Well, my number five is a film. So, so often with these and like, I think all the others on my list, it's like, oh, I wish I had time to watch it a second or a third time to really make sure what I think about it. But this one, I've actually seen a billion times because it's a kid movie, a family, family film that my kids have watched over and over. And I've seen many times now. And that's Pixar's Turning Red. I really fell hard for this one. I really enjoyed it. It's director Domi Shi starring Rosalie Chang and Sandra Oh. So if you haven't seen it, it's a coming of age story. And you know, it's funny, the trailers didn't really excite me when I first saw, like, I'm always, you know, curious about what Pixar is doing, but the trailers like, I don't know if that maybe not for me, but then when I watched it, I just really loved it. Uh, I think it's one of the better Pixar films of the last few years. It's got this kind of period piece feel to it with early two thousands and the boy band music is a big part of that. (laughs) And and again, heard those songs a million times because my kids love them. And, um, (laughs) So it's it's lucky that it's so good because so many of those kid songs in in the world I don't love, but these these from this yeah. movie I'm like okay I, I can listen to those a bunch of times and, and not get too sick of it. Um, the generational divide stuff I thought was really handled well, and it's just kind of a, a really unique take on the the coming of age story with this you know metaphor of the the red panda and all that. And um, yeah, I it, it continues to hold up every time. I think it's the voice acting is really fantastic, especially that that lead character, um, May May, which is uh, Rosalie Chang. And yeah, I, I just I think very highly of that film. I'm Maylin Lee, and ever since I turned 
13, I've been doing my own thing, making my own moves. 24 7, 365. I wear what I want, say what I want, and I will not hesitate to do a spontaneous cartwheel if I feel so moved. Oh, crap! Not to brag, but being 13 means I'm officially a grown up, at least according to the Toronto Transit Commission. Good for you. Am I right? Have you seen Turning Red? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, my kids aren't as big of fans as, of it uh, <laughs> as I was. Uh, I, yeah. I was I was pretty enraptured by that movie. Uh, and it was surprising. Like, I mean, it, it doesn't address, um, you know, some of the, the, the uh, changes that, you know, obviously kids go through mm-hmm. from being little kids and then moving into the teenage years. It, it doesn't come right out with those things, but it more or less mm-hmm. kind of alludes to them. And, uh, and, and just the, the relationship dynamics between the, the kids and their parents through those, through those changes, I found to be really fascinating and really well explored. It, it normalized something that is just never talked about in kids' movies. You know, like it, it is not a, a big deal to, you know, become a man or to become a woman, to become a young adult. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I thought the way that it kind of handled those topics, that's one that I'll look forward to. My, my boys are still pretty young. They're eight and 10. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, it wasn't really their speed. But once yeah. they kind of get into those early to mid-teenage years, that's a movie that I'll mm-hmm, mm-hmm. be curious to watch with them again and, and talk through some of those issues of, of you know kids becoming young adults. I thought it was so well handled and, and really, really well done. I enjoyed Turning Red uh, quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, it's interesting too because I think so. Like right now, my kids are pretty young; they're seven and eight, and I think oh, they yeah. just love. Oh, the panda's cute. The music's fun. Yeah. It's funny when she gets mad. Like, uh, like the the they can pick up on like the. I feel awkward when my mom's there. That kind of stuff. But you're right. Yeah. I think those kind of deeper themes are resonating for me, and hopefully will for them one day too. And but yeah, it was yeah. funny. It was like it was in Kanto every day for a while. And mm-hmm. that finally got knocked out of the running when turning red came out. Uh, <laughs> so I was, I love Encanto as well, but um, you know, yeah. So that's my number five uh, for the year so far. I think it's my only family film on here. So a, a little mm-hmm. more mature nice. going forward, but anyway, let's uh, move on to your number four. What's your number four of 2022? Uh, number four. And now, the, so the four through one were the, the movies that I had the least trouble with. The five was the mm-hmm. one that was, uh, I was grappling with, but I had my top four pretty well locked in. And uh, my number four, um, it's like a lot of other people's number ones and number twos, um, but uh, it was everything, everywhere, all at once. And uh, I mean, yeah, critics love this movie and I I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, <laughs> it's... It's a wild movie. Yeah. Um, what the Daniels are mm-hmm. able to accomplish is just, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, looking, looking back on it, cause I, I haven't watched it since it first came out. It's a movie. I'm, mm-hmm. It'll be out on Blu-ray in another week or so here. And uh, I'm excited to see it again. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it just, it's so wild. It's so original. It just does so many things that, uh, you know, it, 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 it almost, and that's what kind of held it back for me a little bit. Was it just, it almost got a little too out there. Like as mm. far as it's crazy, wild antics that it gets into, mm-hmm. yeah. it almost, it almost lost me. Like just how outrageous it was. Um, <laughs> where a few points of the movie, I was like, come on now, like this is, you know, but then it would kind of reel you back in and, and Michelle, yeah. you know, is just so wonderful. Oh, she's and, fantastic. Yeah. And, and in her sequences with her daughter really kind of restabilized the movie when it was mm-hmm, borderline mm-hmm. about to derail, <laughs> it yeah. would kind of pull back to that. And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's just so much to love about that movie. And, and it, it's, like I said before, he, even in the kind of the vein of the Top Gun, it's just a lot of fun. Like it's hard to mm-hmm. not enjoy yourself watching that movie, uh, even though it just does get a little bit crazy. Um, it's like uh, it's like it reminds me of when Cipher tells Neo, "It's like you, you know, in, in the Matrix, he's like 
buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye, you know? <laughs> like, I thought of that when I was watching that movie. It was just, like, <laughs> it was so crazy. And the Daniels, like, they know no boundaries. Like, they're just, mm. it doesn't matter that the boundaries of normalcy that all other films operate in. It's like, we don't care about that. <laughs> we're <laughs> we're going to make the movie that we want to make. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's almost impossible to not have fun watching that uh, yeah. Watching that film. You see it all, don't you? You can see how everything is just a random rearrangement of particles in a vibrating superposition. No idea what you are talking about, but I can. Hmm? But you see how everything gets washed away in a sea of every other possibility. I completely agree. And that, so when you said a lot of critics have this higher on their list, I was like, I bet that's what he's going to say. Uh, so this was not the way I planned to do the format, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about that movie too. That's actually my number three. So I'm going to jump okay. ahead just because I want to go ahead and talk about it now. Uh, and yeah, I don't have much to add. I think you put it really well. It's so, I love the kind of the frenetic energy of it and it's yeah, so wild and creative and, but it, it manages to do a lot, but keep you pretty much understanding like and I, mm-hmm. i've seen it twice I, I went and saw it and then i was like i gotta bring my wife to see this and um <laughs> yeah like the sci-fi elements of it work in its favor and um it's you don't get too lost i guess as you're going even though it's so chaotic um and yeah i think if i have anything negative to say it's just that i felt exhausted <laughs> at the end of the movie it's so <laughs> maximalist i was like that is a lot yeah. i need to go rest now but i really did like it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah uh, but such a wild and creative piece of storytelling um it, it just it really feels like a unique uh uniquely created thing that it's like i had to include this on my list because we'll look back at 2022 and this might be the, the movie i remember the most i think oh, yeah. um because it's just such a and, and and i'm so glad it's finding its audience so it's a24's biggest movie ever now which mm-hmm. is really cool um yeah. but yeah and i just love the, the kind of the breakdown of depression and and that kind of the feeling of overwhelm that we're all so familiar with you know after mm-hmm. pandemic and everything else uh, and also generational trauma again which uh, was part mm-hmm. of turning red as well that's going to be yeah. i think that comes up in a bunch of my movies too that are on my list Toxic but yes parenting. <laughs> yeah yeah and then just how do we uh have empathy for both sides of that i think mm-hmm. that's what the movie does really well is because yeah we see we absolutely understand why um, stephanie shu's character the daughter blanking on her name with joy why mm-hmm. she is um, so devastated by the way her mother speaks about her and treats her yeah. but then we also see michelle yo's like what her life is like and how um it's really hard for her to make that connection but they ultimately do and yeah it's really beautiful so yes that's my number three so i jumped ahead on you so i guess i'll go great, back now to my number four <laughs> yes thank you <laughs> yeah I, I know that a lot of critics are probably going to have that like number one of the year number two and and I, I thought about, like, I considered that a lot, but there's a couple of movies that just edged it out for me. Yeah. But my number four going back is one. This is a weird one that uh, I'm going to have to probably explain quite a bit. Uh, it's called The Cow Who Sang a Song Into the Future. And this movie I saw, I did, I was able to do a few virtual Sundance movies this year. Yeah, I knew it was fun. And one. yes, it's one that um, I think got some attention there, uh, but it was my favorite thing that I watched. That's uh, Chilean director named Francesca Alleg- uh, Alegria. And so it's, it's got a lot going on, but basically the, the story opens we see this beautiful river. There's a lot of nature imagery in it. And we see this river and this young woman just bursts out of the river and she's wearing a motorcycle helmet. And then we learn that she died there many years before, uh, mm-hmm. like something like 50 years prior. And suddenly she's come back to life and her husband runs a dairy farm nearby. She is not aged in this time. So her husband's now much older than she is. So when he sees her, he has this episode, he goes into shock and he goes to the hospital and then all the extended family gather. And so it ends up being a family story where we're seeing the, again, generational dynamics. Um, there's two adult children and two grandchildren. 
And one of the grandkids is a trans woman as well. And she's really struggling to be accepted by her mother and it's not even out to the rest of her family. And so that's a big part of the story. But at the same time, there's this ecological crisis going on. All the fish are dying in this same river. And so it's like whatever brought her to life mysteriously is also causing a problem. So the fish are dying, which is causing the plants to die. And uh, it's affecting all these other like the farms in the area. And so that, that's kind of the, the plot. Uh, and that may sound really odd, and it is, but I really found it beautiful. It's very quiet, uh, very surprising. Um, there's some grief in there, like a, themes of grief, you know, because we've lost this matriarch of our family and now suddenly she's here. Um, and she only appears at certain moments to different characters, which is interesting as well. Uh, it's very beautifully shot. It could, some of it could be straight out of a nature documentary. Um, and then the title, the cow who sang a song, what that's referring to is there's these sequences where it's, this music is playing in the soundtrack. It's not clear whether the, the humans in the film can hear the lyrics that we are hearing as the audience and they're translated in the, in the subtitles as well. And it's these sort of laments about the dying earth. And so it's very much like a ecological uh, kind of a environmental film as well. And there's sort of this sense of impending doom. And it's like, are the animals singing this or the trees singing it? It's, it's hard to quite understand. So it's very mysterious. It reminds me a lot actually of uh, the films of a peach at Pong where ethical, the uh, director of memoria and um, uh, uncle Boon me mm. who what's the title uncle Boon he couldn't recall his past lives. It's that kind of vibe, but quite a bit easier to access, I think. So it's a film that I, I think it's so for people who are like, that's his films are a little out there for me. This one, I think you could grasp onto. So mm. I'll highly recommend it. It's odd, but I found it so beautiful and engrossing. Um, and they played Sundance. So I don't know what the release is going to be like, but hopefully this year it'll hit theaters or, or VOD. Uh, yeah. and I highly encourage people to check it out. Yeah. I, I have not seen that one. Uh, I, I got to catch, I think it was like 22 or 23 movies at Sundance. And I heard wow. that that was a good one, but I just didn't get a, a chance to, to squeeze yeah. that one in. Um, but I'll definitely have to uh, make it a point to, once it once yeah, it drops somewhere. Yeah, it was funny. I only saw yeah. I think five movies. I was like, oh, I, really? I can make time for a few, and that was one of them. It really just depended on the time of day and what was yeah, what yeah, sounded exactly. interesting. So I was like, felt like a complete fluke that I saw this and loved it mm. so much. So, yeah. well, fantastic. Those are the best ones when you have like no idea what you're getting yourself yeah. into, and then it just kind of like knocks your socks off. You're like, wow, yes. that what a cool movie. Yeah, absolutely. That was definitely the experience. Those. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my number four. And the title again is The Cow Who Sang a Song Into the Future. And then the original title is in Spanish. So I, I'm, I don't know exactly what it translates to. But mm. yeah, that's the one. Well, I guess that brings us back to the number three slot. And okay, what's three. Uh, what's your number three? Yeah. So number three for me, um, it, it probably isn't. It's not out yet, but probably by the time this recording drops, uh, it should be in theaters and that is Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, I got to see it last week um, in, uh, in IMAX, and it was just um, a treat. Nice. <laughs> Taika Waititi <laughs> is a genius. I know some people are kind of <laughs> like iffy on his humor mm. If you've followed him through what we do in the shadows or, mm -hmm. if, if, you know, a lot of, a lot of critics loved Thor Ragnarok. Um, you know, that was made a lot of people's top film, you know, in the top films mm -hmm. of that year, uh, what, 2017. But, uh, I but I think right, he yeah. was like, he was just warming up with, with that whole <laughs> um, genre with that character. Like Ragnarok was just, you know, he was just kind of getting, the feel for mm. that and what he does with Thor love and thunder was just, I mean, it was incredible. Like uh, he, um, I, I'll just say I haven't clapped at a movie in a long time, <laughs> but at the end of that movie, like I had such a riot, <laughs> that I, yeah. like I was so compelled to clap at the end of that movie. I couldn't, I couldn't overcome. <laughs> like, so he, he uh, Taika is, I mean, it's clear he understands that genre, that character. He he milks it for all that he can get out of it. Like the mm. humor, it's it's 
I mean, and it, and it's not like I said, just jokes about you know his his goofy, wacky sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Within the first few minutes, and, and maybe you you may not have seen this movie yet. I don't want to like spoil it for a lot of <laughs> the people that might be listening or haven't gotten to the theater yet to see it. But um, it, it's he he teases out some of the things from the other Avengers movies, the other Thor mm-hmm. movies um, that. You know, he just has so much fun with the character. It, it reminded mm-hmm. me um, of the Lego Batman movie in oh, yeah. some ways. And how yeah. Lego Batman is so great. My kids love it. But uh, <laughs> but the the funny part of that movie is it's so well put together for adults because it it breaks down the Batman character in a way that none mm-hmm. of the other Batman movies have ever done. And I I, I can't speak mm-hmm. to the animated cartoons because I haven't seen. Uh, hardly mm-hmm. any of those. I've, I've heard good things about some of them, but, but yeah, I mean th- that movie and and the Thor: Love and Thunder. When when the director understands the character and they're mm-hmm. able to like deconstruct it and just have a good time, like have fun with it, explore, you know the uh, the superhero tropes, you know what works mm-hmm. about them, what what is maybe problematic with them. It, it was just. Uh, it was just so well done, and I, uh, I find I found Taika's take on on that to just be utterly fantastic. And and again, not to like kind of coming right off of my other uh, Top Gun and and everything <laughs> everywhere. I mean, it, it's just so much fun. I haven't had mm-hmm. this much fun in the theaters in a long time. These last like uh, you know few weeks, few months. Like I've just had so much fun going to see these movies. It's really been a blast. <laughs> and Taika's, you know, and, and Thor and Love and Thunder is just hilarious. It's, it's just a good time. Kids, get to popcorn now. Let me tell you the story of the space Viking, Thor Odinson. He was no ordinary man. He was a god. After saving planet Earth for the 500th time, Thor set off on a new journey. Well, he got in shape. He went from dad bod to god bod. And after all that, he reclaimed his title as the one and only Thor. Oh, spoke too soon. Jane? That's great. I'm so excited to hear that because that's one that I've been like, oh, I really like Taika Waititi. I've been kind of mixed on Marvel stuff lately. Um, and so I've just not been totally sure. And I, I love Thor Ragnarok. I think it's certainly the best of the of the three Thor movies. And yeah. But I still felt that it kind of fell into the Marvel, like the final act is just... Stereotypes. It's just... Kind of action not... and like what else is happening. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to bust on, on you know, Disney. And this is obviously not the, the podcast to just like go... Like... <laughs> run all your Marvel fans out of the <laughs> right. building. But, uh, you know, they follow the same, a lot of the films follow the same formula. Mm-hmm. There's an action scene right at the beginning of the movie. A lot of the emotional beats, you know, the mm-hmm. bad guy's going to lose, the good guy's going to win. You know, most of the Marvel movies, like all the ones from last year, um, you know, none of them made my top 10 list. None of them mm-hmm. were, like, I, I enjoyed some of them a little more than others, but you know, most of most of the time, I just don't get that excited for Marvel movies these days. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really taken aback by Love and Thunder, like the, the soundtrack, calling back to you know a lot of classic rock tunes while they're doing their crazy shenanigans. It was just a, just a lot of fun. If uh, if that's uh, if if you like Marvel movies, you'll probably be uh, pretty happy when you get a chance to catch uh, catch the new Thor flick. Well, I'm so happy to hear that because really, I'm I I I have been kind of mixed hype on that, and now I'm now I'm very excited. Yeah, because I, I think yeah, with Thor Ragnarok, it, it took that kind of formula, but I added this humor into it, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, I'm glad to know that this maybe pushes that further and and breaks out of that. And I'm really excited with the villain in this. He looks uh, oh, Christian Bale, Christian Bale. the God My Butcher goodness. looks really interesting. Um, so yeah, he's a uh, <laughs> yeah, he's something else, man. He's a uh, He's a fantastic actor, and it, and it was really cool because Bale is—he's uh, such a recognizable face. 
but they have him like with the the white paint and yeah, kind of like the markings and stuff and he kind of you, you know he's got these these contacts in and you kind of don't see bale when you're watching mm-hmm. him. you're seeing this wow. character and it's not you know it's not coming through to you as like what what's christian bale doing you're like who is this crazy guy that's you know so pissed off yeah. and trying to like just wreck everybody <laughs> so he kind of gets lost in the uh in the character and in the roles it was pretty uh pretty fantastic that's great well great i love that you included thor on this list because i didn't expect it um i guess if we're going to go back so i've already talked about number three so and maybe your turn again to do your number two back to number two so number number two for me um going back to uh the sundance film festival and i don't think it was the last film no it wasn't because they had like the uh they had the uh all the awards that they give out and uh, those films, they, you, you can watch them again the final weekend, but right before that, it was like a, a la- like the last addition to the fi- film festival was the documentary uh, Navalny. Um, oh yeah. About mm-hmm. uh, Alexei Navalny, the Russian like politician slash anti-corruption guy. Um, and uh I mean, it, it was for, for, I, I had heard the name Navalny before, you know, just watching CNN or just hearing about it in the news, but I didn't really pay much attention. You know, it's something that happened over in Russia before the war broke out, you know, so I never really followed any of the events around this guy or what he was doing, what he was all mm-hmm. about. And, uh, you know, that, that it was actual real world events it really, I mean, that, that this documentary covers and follows these events that transpire are as riveting as any spy thriller suspense mm. movie, like, you know, like the, the Bond movies, the Born Identity movies, you know, they are all these spy mm. thrillers. And this was like a real life one of those films just like playing out and I can watch these people and this is all real. I mean, I was like blown away because even though, like I mentioned, I had heard about this guy um, learning and I won't get too far into the plot details, mm-hmm. you know, for those that have, haven't really heard about it, but this guy, uh, Navalny, Alexei Navalny is a, uh, I guess he's more or less the main challenger to Vladimir Putin. Like he's mm-hmm. been okay. rallying people in Russia and calling out the corruption of the government, um, which of course we're a lot more familiar with now that we're seeing you know, the war in, in Ukraine play out, and mm-hmm. we can see, you know, just what a what a <laughs> what a cesspool yeah. of lies and filth this mm-hmm. government is. Uh, but yeah, like so. So basically, this guy that's I guess running for office there or challenging Putin, you know, he's he's put a huge target on his back. Mm-hmm. You know, against one of the most powerful men on the planet and just calling him out for all this stuff. And I mean, it was just absolutely enthralling to see how I guess the main the main beat that the movie revolves around is that this guy um, in August uh, of 2020, he gets poisoned on an airplane traveling to Moscow and the documentary follows the events and the investigation that they do um, after he gets basically like attacked. They like try and like mm. kill the guy. And it is just, I mean, it is, it's one of the most riveting doc. And, and there was a ton of good documentaries out of Sundance. I got to see quite a few of them. I didn't get to see all the ones I wanted to, but uh, it, it was, like I said, it was absolutely captivating um, right up there with, you know, some of the best, suspense spy movies but all based in reality like this yeah. stuff actually happened i was just blown away i was uh, i was really i mean not not just impressed by the the movie itself and how it was put together it kind of started um you know with him boarding the plane because he he went back to moscow to like try and you know um return to his home country but uh but yeah, like the way the story progressive and it kind of goes back, it, it was just so well put together and so interesting. I, I 
I was really, really impressed. Okay, so Alexei, I want to talk about something that we sort of touched on this morning. And you might hate this, but I really want you to think about it. If you are killed, if this does happen, what message do you leave behind to the Russian people? Alexei Navalny has taken on the most dangerous job in the world, challenging the leader of the Kremlin, Vladimir Putin. If I want to be a leader of this country, if I want to fight Putin, I have to organize people. The Kremlin hates Navalny so much, they refuse to say his name. I was banned from everything and blacklisted. But as I became more and more famous, I was totally sure that it will be problematic for them to kill me. And boy, were you wrong. Yes, I was very wrong. By uh, the, wow. the documentary Navalny. It came out, I think, about a month month ago, maybe, maybe around Memorial I was Day. Say, yeah, maybe it's, HBO. I think it's been released. Yeah, okay. HBO so it is Max streaming now. on HBO now. Wow, okay. Yeah, HBO Max. It's a HBO CNN hmm. uh, feature. Yeah, it, it's. I can't recommend that movie enough, especially considering... Wow. The uh, you know the events yeah, what's that transpired on? since since you know late February and March, you know. Yeah, it sounds like it's only become more timely since it came out. Absolutely. That's amazing. I ha I've heard the title. I didn't really know anything about that film, mm -hmm. so I'm very excited to watch that now. And just as a note, I'll go through in the show notes and <clears throat> any of these that are streaming or you know VOD <clears throat> link to those things. So yeah, good to know this one's on HBO. Definitely going to be adding that to my list. Um, yeah, that sounds sounds amazing. I love those documentaries that feel so and it's just also too like that's such a recent history that you'll be able to continue to follow Navalny's story like the next yeah. five ten years who knows what yeah. what will happen there wow i that's another unexpected choice i uh i'm excited <laughs> to check that one out after a bunch of action movies you figure i was just yeah. gonna go another big blockbuster Curveball, yeah i had, to, I had to change it up somewhere <laughs> uh, well uh my number two is a movie that um I think it's out in limited release right now. And, and it's one that I, I haven't, it's not on a ton of people's radar. So I want to put it there. It's a movie called Poser and it's uh, directed by Noah Dixon and Ori Segev. And this is a story about a young woman. Her name's Lennon uh, played by Sylvie Mix is the actor's name. And she is obsessed with the underground music scene in Columbus, Ohio. First of all, who knew Columbus had such a rich indie music scene, but it does because a lot of the people she's uh, interviewing and uh, so she becomes a podcaster. That's her way into this music scene she loves. And a lot of the artists in the film are real artists. I think most of them are. And she's interviewing them. She's going to their concerts, some really great concert footage. And um, I don't know, it feels like it really captures the feeling of like being a fan and being obsessed with something. Um and the poser element of it is, is so interesting because she feels like she's not, you know, as artistic as these people she loves. Um, and so her way is to, well, I'm just going to talk about it on, and do this podcast, which felt very relevant to myself as someone who I really love filmmakers and I'm going to make this podcast about it. Um, and I think the podcast in its own way is art, but it's interesting. It's kind of this great examination of um, art and um, the creative drive and uh, it ends up so she becomes a really obsessed with one band in particular the band is called damn the witch siren and uh the lead singer's name is bobby kitten I mean, that's that's all real like and bobby plays herself in the movie uh but it's sort of a i think a hyper version of herself or something uh, they become friends and it, it almost becomes an all about eve kind of story where you know, this young up-and-comer um i don't want to spoil where it goes but uh things get dramatic i'll just say but yeah, it really just captures the, the the excitement of of indie music and and just of um, being in, interested in art that um, you feel like not enough people know about and you want to share about it. Uh, so I really was fascinated. And then the, that lead performance by Sylvie Mix, she's very kind of like almost monotone and kind of like low key and shy. And she just carries her phone around with these headphones plugged in and records everything. And so it's such an image of her just talking to people in the film. It's really. Um, there's kind of a this paranoia feeling to the whole movie as well. Visually, I thought it was really good, and you get to know a lot of real artists, and it like it really 
it cares about the music like the the music that's featured in the film is really good like you can go stream the album that that um that like has all these artists on it and uh it also it's interesting because there's and this is something that i've always thought about so i think this connected with me as well like the line of um what's pretentious and what's not is kind of explored a little bit. One of her initial things, it's really played for laughs, how pretentious this one artist is. Um, and I think part of the joke is that she's still eating it up and she's so interested in it. Uh, when you hear this artist kind of going on about <laughs> this nonsense that, that they're part of their creative process, but it still is this love letter to artists and to art. And um, yeah, I just really, really connected with it and uh, hope more people will check out Poser. I've been looking for a new apartment. Where? I don't know. I want more space to be creative. I've always had an interest in collecting sound. Do you mind if I interview you for my podcast? Where did, where did you get to see that? Is it available right now? Um, it's in limited release, I think, in LA and New York. And I, oh, I got a screener. Okay. It's from um, Oscilloscope. I think mm. that's right. I'm going to double check that. Uh, and that's that's a studio. I, I often am a fan of their movies. And so I try to get those for review whenever I can. And that's one that, uh, yeah. So I imagine it'll go to, limit, to more wide release soon, or it will be uh, on VOD before too long, I think. So that's my number two. Very cool. Uh, you already did your number two, right? That was the yeah. only. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so now it's time for number one. Uh, well, this is I, it. I know what yours is, and <laughs> I think we might have it in common as well. We'll oh, see. Go ahead. Well, is it? Did we do it? <laughs> Maybe. What's your number one? Number one is after Yang. It is. Me too. Oh wow! Well, I'll let you take the lead, but yes, I what, loved this movie. What are the odds? Yeah, I mean, going from uh, you know like a bunch of blockbusters to uh, now a documentary, and after Yang is is pretty much like the quietest, like most mm-hmm. toned down movie <laughs> imaginable. Yeah. Like coming out of uh, the because uh, because I, I got to see it at uh, at Sundance. It was actually the first movie mm. that uh, that I got to watch at Sundance, and I was Im- immediately just enthralled with uh, with with Koganata, which is. Mm. which is crazy because I have not seen Columbus. I'm going to call myself mm. out. Here. Like as soon yeah, as I <laughs> watched this, I was like, who is this director? And so I immediately put, uh, put Columbus on, uh, on my iTunes list. And so I'm, I'm waiting yeah. to, uh, to pick it up and watch it one of these days. But uh, yeah, I mean, what, what Koganada does. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's such a, a quiet, delicate film. Uh, his his even though his style of filmmaking is more contemplative, he's not like trying to teach you something. He's not trying mm-hmm. to instruct you. He's more like proposing these questions about about time, about our memories, you know, about mm-hmm. how we how we the things that we value. I guess um, he, he's throwing these things out there and just kind of maybe making some suggestions, but ultimately allowing you to kind of sift through inwardly, like, what do I think about the time that I spend with, you know, my, my family or the time mm-hmm. that I spend doing this? And uh, it, it just kind of, I mean, it, it, Koganata is like, a, is like a, a surgeon. He just like cuts in and gets to the heart of these, mm-hmm. you know, really deep personal matters of, of what, you know, what life is to me. I was just fascinated by this film. It, it, it starts out and I won't really give away much of the, the plot. Um, but, uh, Colin Farrell, um, is, is, you know, this, um, uh, 
this guy that owns um, uh, Yang is the robot that he owns. And so as things start to kind of unwind in the story, um, the robot starts experiencing some problems. And so he starts investigating them. It kind of, kind of leads him down like into, it almost acts like it's going to become a mystery. Like what, you know, where did this mm-hmm. robot come from? You know, what's the story behind it? What's going on? And it just kind of opens up into this, um, you know, really life exploring film that really took me uh, by surprise. Again, at, at Sundance, it was my favorite film from Sundance. Mm. And, uh, and it just stayed at the top of my favorite movies of the year list. Um, I, I was just completely uh, enraptured by what he was able to, to put on screen. Koganat is just such a, I, I was texting you the other day, I called him a wizard, but he just knows how to, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the craft of the movie. Mm. He just crafts this world and, uh, and it's hard to just not get caught up into it. Um, you know, for such a quiet, delicate film, that's not in your face. It's not loud. Um, it's just so subtle, but it's just so, uh, you know, I've used the word enrapturing or riveting several times now in describing other movies, but it just sucks you in. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. Yeah. So that's my number one as well. Yeah. So we didn't tell each other our list, but I think you mentioned that. Yeah. By text the other day. And I was like, I bet that's gonna be on this list. And I wasn't sure if this would be my number one. I was, I had, I really deliberated between this and Poser, but it ended up like, it's one that since I saw it, I've been, it's just stuck with me and um, I will highly recommend Columbus. I didn't watch it until actually this. So this came out on Showtime. I think that's still where it's streaming. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up watching both of those in one day. And I was like, oh, this is a, an emotional <laughs> <laughs> full day. Uh, but Columbus is beautiful as well. It's not science fiction. It's much more kind of um, grounded in reality. And it's this kind of hometown kind of exploration. It's got a lot of architecture, which is such an interesting aspect of it. And mm-hmm. I love Columbus. I think I actually like Columbus a, a little bit more, but this one is so good uh-huh. too. And yeah. um but you mentioned like formally, like visually and everything. Koganada, before he directed any features, he created these video essays where he's breaking down Ozu and um, kind of Wes Anderson, and like all these very visual mm-hmm. directors, but also thematic. His um, video essay on Richard Linklater, which is oh. kind of about time and memory, is so good. I'll, I'll definitely link that in the in the show notes. So yeah, it's he comes from this background. You can tell of just loving movies and like, um, and you can feel all these influences. I think in his work and um yeah it's so beautiful and so gentle i love the word you use delicate because that's i love anytime there's like what's like a music production or something you could just feel like this is so intentional and they're really placing these different instruments in the right spot that's kind of how i feel about this movie too it's like you can tell so much care went into every piece of it and uh, yeah it almost you think it's going to be this mystery and like there is that element to it but it's much more concerned with kind of the human questions and um yeah memory and, and grief and all those things. I love, I love the scene where uh, Colin Farrell explains why he loves tea. And there's like a great conversation about that. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of like when you find something that you love and are passionate about, like just building your life around it and the kind of having that outpouring is just really a really beautiful moment. Um, there's a more than of, one kind of. A lot anyway. of beautiful moments. It just, yeah. Like when, when, uh, when Yang is talking to the, the daughter to Mika, I think Mika mm-hmm. is the name. Yeah, talking right. about the tree and talking about oh, like interracial yes. families, mm-hmm. like the, this. Uh, the this is grafting. He explains it's a Chinese tradition and how like some something wonderful is happening here. He says that this branch is from a different tree, but now it's becoming an actual part of this tree. And I was just like, man, that's so <laughs> like so many so, times in this movie, yeah. you just like you want to like start weeping (laughs) uncontrollably yeah and it's so well written it's it's never i think about when i think about a movie that just has a lot of emotional beats like that sometimes that sounds like something that's going to be cheesy or like it's going to try too hard to to go there but it everything works so well in this it's so well written yeah so part of that story is that so their daughter is chinese and she's adopted and so it explains the part of this that's so interesting too is the world building of like it's this sci-fi world that it feels pretty close to our current world, but there's just all yeah. these elements like there's androids, there's clones just yeah. kind of living, 
life uh, with them. And so part of the way the, I think the word they use is techno sapiens is the word for androids in this world. Part of what they're used for is for adopted siblings. So Yang is Chinese as well. You know, he's, you know, an Android. And so that helps her to feel more comfortable. And so, yeah, then they have that beautiful scene where she's, I think she's been bullied for being adopted. Mm -hmm. And he explains, you know, the, the original heritage of this branch that's been grafted into a new tree is important as well. And, um, but yeah, yeah, just so beautiful. And, um, yeah, the world building that I mentioned is, is so creative and, um, happens so subtly. Uh, I also love the opening titles of this it's got this surprising <laughs> dance thing that's <laughs> like at that point i was like where is this movie gonna go from here? Gonna yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah that's probably one of the most incredible opening mm-hmm. title sequences with the credits the opening credits i was like what <laughs> what is yeah. this this is amazing <laughs> it's really great i think i talked about it so i did an episode where i talked about this movie with christopher pistol who's a, oh, a film critic around here yeah and oh well thank you but he we, we talked about that episode about in, in columbus there's sort of an unexpected dance thing as well very different mm-hmm. um but so it's an interesting kind of through line that you know in these very quiet still movies like the and I think this this movie too has is kind of interestingly about the body. And so like with dancing, of course we have the body moving, but then him as an Android Yang as an Android, like it's not that he just dies. It's that he malfunctions and then we're right. not sure if he's going to come back or not. We have to go to a shop and open him up and, and, and then just the way memory works. Uh, and we, and we, there's end up being a device where Colin Farrell can access Yang's memories. And that's kind of yeah. where the mystery part of it comes in. Um, so all that's so good and then another interesting touch is as he's watching these memories it's we there's some scenes where like the editing is kind of overlapped and kind of uh, recalling their memories yeah it's like the way he remembered it okay i was more patient than i remembered but then yang saw that i was actually impatient in this moment or or whatever there's a lot a lot of different elements or a lot of different moments of that um that sort of thing so really interesting very obviously intentional and delicate editing to this, this film. Um, And it's one also that like, it was kind of dropped on streaming without, you know, it's an A24 film and they do a lot of, um, you know, marketing stuff usually, but this one, they didn't as much, but I know a lot of critics are loving it. Yeah. 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 So I'm hoping that more people see it. Yeah. Um, Wow. I feel like there's more I could say, but uh, I I also want to keep that experience intact for people who haven't seen it. Yeah, without spoiling like anything or getting too much further into like the plot, there's there's the one um, the one sequence um, where where Yang talks with uh, with the um, uh, Colin Farrell's wife, Kyra is her mm. name. Jodie yeah. Turner Smith is the actress. She does she's she's fantastic in it as well. I mean, the, the whole cast is is great, um, wonderful, wonderfully acted. But uh, but she has a conversation with Yang about uh existence and uh the end of it um yeah i mean it's as heavy and gripping despite the fact that the movie is so quiet and delicate like we're talking about but that sequence to me was as was as heavy and gripping as any scene from any movie Mm -hmm. i I can't think of the last time that i've been like Mm -hmm. just leveled by mm-hmm. yeah it's like you're hanging on every word mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i was just like holy smokes um <laughs> just blown away and and that's why uh, like ever since uh, i just got it on blu-ray and watched it again uh um, mm-hmm. and wrote wrote my review for it last week because i wanted to like like we're talking about kind of spread the word about that movie it's, mm-hmm. it's so good um you know obviously there's there's some audiences that won't I mean, it is very, very quiet. You're not going to get a lot of action. You're not going to get a lot of, yeah. You know, but but it's just such a good film that if uh, if you have the patience and you know the chance to you know pour yourself a cup of tea mm-hmm. and sit down with this movie, yeah. you'll, you'll probably you you'll probably love it. I love it. Yeah, and it's interesting too because yeah, based on just a description, you might think it's more of an action sci-fi or something. Cause we've seen that kind of thing where it's like, Oh, an Android and you know, what's human and what isn't. And that kind of thing, like yeah. Blade Runner is kind of the, the big example. Of that. There's lots of, <laughs> that's always in Star Trek and different stuff, but this is so much the other direction of it's not interested in, um, yeah. I don't know, being like a, a mind bender or anything like that. It's really just exploring more human kind of, um, aspects yeah. of what does it mean to to be a person and and to have memories and experiences and 
to and with the memory stuff like the way we forget things and like or or remember things differently than other people yeah. all of that is just so powerful and and it's very kind of meditative i think is a word that i like too that oh, can yeah. describe that film because it's like after i watched it i was like i gotta sit still and, <laughs> and think about this for a few minutes <laughs> well i'm glad we agree like give me give me a second give me a moment here (laughs) (laughs) i need five minutes uninterrupted that's right Uh, very very good movie Uh, yeah yeah come on yang what are you doing come on what happened to yang i don't know he shut down last night he won't restart has this happened before? No. If we can't get Yang fixed, I'm not gonna buy another sibling for Mika. It is an interior core problem. I need your permission to break open the core. We've always known that some bots are equipped with spyware. You might not want this spot in your house anymore. I wish I had a real memory. What do you mean? Did you only want to be human? That's such a human thing to ask, isn't it? with you. Wait, it's, it's not being honest an option for you. Do you want him back? Of course I do. I want him back too. I just need a little more time. Well, there you go. That's our that's our list. I was going to ask too. Do you have any anything that almost made the list, or any honorable mentions that uh, that you hope more people will seek out? That kind of thing. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, like, so as of this recording, I will say, like, there's a few movies that I've heard um, uh, some really good things about. I haven't I haven't caught uh, the new RRR movie. Me either. Uh, Ooh, I'm um, hoping too soon. Yeah, like I've heard some great things about that movie, um, Benediction and uh, x i've heard all of those are really good i haven't gotten to those so i i don't hold them against me if <laughs> if uh i left them off the list i haven't gotten to some of those yet but i i really did enjoy um i mean out of uh, out of the film festival as much as i've heard some people say that this year's uh sundance was not as good as last year's mm-hmm. um i really enjoyed uh cha-cha real smooth is now out on apple mm, i haven't caught that yet apple. yeah that's it, that's on that's, my list for very soon that's a nice uh, that's a really nice movie um and then uh happening happening was another mm, movie out yes. of sundance that, that great. especially with you know what's what's taking place mm, in our country mm-hmm. over the abortion issue right now uh, without getting political on your on your movie podcast here <laughs> feel I mean, free, it, feel free. <laughs> it really helps you kind of weigh out like you know your yeah your, like what how serious of a matter this is like holy mm-hmm. cow that was a yeah. <laughs> um another yeah, happening is a beautiful film that's one that, that's on my movie. kind of yeah. almost made my list kind of movies yeah 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 it was that one and top gun were, were vying for number five mm-hmm. um i will mm-hmm. say that much but uh but then also um fire of love was uh another Ooh, documentary another documentary out of uh Sundance that just I mean it's it's all archival footage that they found from this couple that that, that explores volcanoes and and they were volcanologists uh, I guess um, hmm. uh, and they uh, the the footage that they captured um, with some of these is unbelievable I mean <laughs> I was just like kind of in awe looking at some of these things that they had captured like in real life. Hmm. You know, this isn't some sort of animated CGI. I mean, mm-hmm. these volcanoes, the power of nature was really left mm-hmm. me kind of in awe. Um, and the other one that uh, the last one I'll mention was the Northman, 
that uh, mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. talk about volcanoes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Segue. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> we won't get into the the. the scene from that movie but uh yeah i mean there is a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to appreciate about um mm-hmm. robert eggers new film it was just so well crafted i mean you can tell that guy's got his finger on the pulse of all the movies that he puts out and mm-hmm. uh, and even though it's not a a real deep movie you know it's mm-hmm. just a very well put together film really uh really enjoyed that one as well the northman yeah I love the Northman also. I considered that one for this list too. Um, Fire of Love has been on my list. I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard some very good things about that. Really looking forward to that one. Um, other films, I really did like the Batman from earlier this year. Uh, so I, I kind of considered that as more on the blockbuster side of things. Sure. Um, I liked Men a lot. Alex Garland's new one. I know that one's been oh, pretty yeah. mixed in the reaction, but I was a yeah, fan I of it. That one, yeah. Uh, yeah, I really liked it as well. Uh, happening, as you mentioned, yes, I I really thought that was a beautiful film, and yeah, so timely with with everything with Roe being overturned and mm-hmm. just the the mess of all of that. Um, I liked Richard Linklater's new one too, Apollo Ten and a Half. It's uh, it's not one of my favorite films of his, I think, but it's I think it's good and uh, it's it's a very sweet kind of quiet movie, and that one's on Netflix. Um, and then I really seriously considered X, like you mentioned briefly. Oh, yeah. um, I really like that movie a lot. It's it's a wild horror movie, but it's it ends up being so it's something that I've talked quite a bit about on the podcast is kind of um religious deconstruction or like unlearning things and that is mm. kind of a central theme that that shows really? up in the movie so I'm really connected with that. Yeah, it's wow. it's pretty subtle like you can just en- enjoy it as a horror movie, but mm-hmm. there's one scene in particular that I really liked and uh, but it ha- that movie has some some deeper things on its mind. Uh, mm. Ty West is the director of that one. Oh, yeah. And then I think I had one more. Oh, The Black Phone I really liked as well. Oh, yeah. uh, Scott Derrickson's newest horror movie. Uh, you know, there's a lot of hype. It's the scariest movie in, in years. And it was really scary. Uh, and, but I, <laughs> I, I think I still prefer his previous film or his previous horror movie, uh, Sinister. I'm a really big fan of that oh, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is, it's got some similarities and I think it's, it's really strong and, and just like really well plotted and, and that sort of thing. Um, so just mention it as, you know, if you like horror movies, I think the black phone is definitely worth, worth checking out, but yeah, I think that's all I had. Oh, and then I did have one other, uh, in front of your face. So, um, Hong Sang Soo is a director I've just kind of recently got into, and that's one of his new ones. Mm. And I really, really liked it as well. He's this, uh, Korean director makes his really quiet, um, long shots, kind of, uh, dialogue driven movies. So mm. like not for everyone, but I really, really found a lot to like about that maybe, as well. Maybe so, drive my yeah. car esque. Yeah. Maybe kind of like that. Um, okay his movies are shorter that was interesting like they <laughs> most movies yeah. are <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um uh yeah kind of in that vein he has a lot of he puts out like one or two movies a year and they tend to be yeah between like an hour an hour and a half um, oh, okay. so a little shorter but yeah really just quiet contemplative um i did a podcast on that one a few weeks back and then he has another one coming out this year too i can't remember the title of it but uh very interesting director and definitely one uh, i recommend checking out if that sounds interesting to you so very cool well all right i think this has been a, a i think we both have solid lists <laughs> i like i like the, the list we gave and uh, i hope um this gave some people some things to to check out if that they maybe haven't heard of um get excited for thor as well that's that's my main takeaway today is like wow i'm really excited for thor now. <laughs> i can't wait to check that out well thank you so much for joining me today russell i really appreciate yeah, uh, you coming on the show and yeah we'll definitely want to have you back again uh to talk movies soon this has been a, a, a pleasure yeah man have fun thanks again to russell i can't believe we both had the same film at number one Coming up next on the show, I'm finally going to finish up that film noir series I was doing (laughs) a couple months ago. We just lack one film, and that is Chinatown, 1974's neo-noir, directed by Roman Polanski and starring Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway. Rance Collins will be back for that one, so stay tuned for that. And then the following week, my plan is to discuss Nope. That is the new horror film from Jordan Peele. Very excited for that one. And that does it for this episode of Art House Garage. Thank you so much for listening. We've got a few years worth of episodes now, and you can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. 
Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Arthouse Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Arthouse Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app. And that is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter. That's at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, andrew at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free. <laughs>